Welcome, and thank you for joining us with the Self-Care Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Brown. Today, we're going to be continuing our series, Like a Boy, Bringing in the Women. Thank you. Thank you. Before we begin, just wanted to take a quick update and let you know and say thank you to all of you, all of our viewers, all of our followers. This very podcast just hit over 1,000 in its first two months of uh, podcast downloads. And our social media just achieved over half a million views in the first two months. Actually, this coming Monday will be the first two months. And we are on our way to 10,000 followers on TikTok alone. Just hit over 5,500. So thank you so very much. Uh, please accept our sincerest appreciation for all you do in supporting us, whether it's financially through the Patreon account, through sharing it with other friends and family, or through just listening. We couldn't do it without you, and frankly, we would have no reason to. So let's get to it. On this episode, we're going to be continuing our series asking, what is a man today, yesterday, and tomorrow? I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Brown, a clinical psychologist and the self-care doc. Last week, we asked a group of males to join us in studio to discuss their perspective of all things male today. Let's hear from the ladies. So as we get started, I'm going to ask the same question I asked the gentlemen. Ladies, who should pay for the first date? Oh, wow. Look at this radio silence. Come on, ladies. The boy. Let's rock it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it depends on uh, the woman's comfort level. Has it been discussed before the date? I mean, they're... I think there are a lot of things that you can take into account. Yeah. Who else? There's a lot of expectation. I think the expectation is the male is going to pay or the whoever, the well, I don't want to say the dominant person, but the mm-hmm. male is the one that traditionally has paid. Sure. So would you say it's kind of uh, whoever's asking them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, we all know that women have, Paid, but I think society still kind of frowns upon it a little bit. Yeah, isn't it? It's kind of a double standard at times, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ladies, what do you say? I agree with that too. Um, I also, I also um, think that um, just men—that's kind of you know, like you said, the expectation. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would say that on a first date, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think the man, I think the man should pay for first. That's interesting because I'm the oldest one here in the room. Thank you very much. And I feel most comfortable splitting it. Um, And maybe it's because, you know, my background, I don't know. I think it's because you're woke. Uh, That could be. (laughs) That could be. Like it. For me, I mean, my my personal, very, you know, kind of off the cuff here is because I don't want there to be inappropriate expectations that, you know, you and I were having a date, meeting, et cetera. Um, like going out for ice cream afterwards? Is that what you're talking about? With expectations? I don't think what that's kind what kind of ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just my comfort level that, hey, you know what? This time let's, you know, let's split it and, you know, we'll go from there. Okay. Gaia, what do you think? I think if it's a cheaper date, like you're just going to the. I don't know, like a movie or something. Whoever asked should go, like pay for it. But if it's 
more like expensive than like pay for what you bought. So what I hear there is go to McDonald's every time. Right? <laughs> yeah, just get me chicken nuggets and I'm good. Actually, that's that's kind of my my go to as well. I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, uh, thank you for answering that, ladies. So let's go around. If everybody would just kind of give us a quick introduction of of uh, uh, kind of who you are, uh, kind of what your background is, and uh, why we've got you here on the show today. What do you mean by background? Uh, just a little bit about who you are, uh, kind of a little bit of your perspective, and uh, maybe just uh, uh, maybe uh, even what role men have had in your life. Maybe that's a good intro for us. Um, I'm Gaia. I'm 16, and my father is a very good role model of what I think a man should be. And full disclosure, Christopher, of course, is your father, who is yes. also on the podcast routinely. Yes, Helps out a lot with a lot of our research and background as well. Personally, he's my favorite host, but, you know, no hate. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> he is now a guest now. He is no longer a co-host or a helper at all, actually, matter of fact, <laughs> who is also in the room with us today. <laughs> okay, so he's a great role model. Why is that? Yeah. Um, because he's always been open and supportive of me over everything, and him and my mom aren't together, but he's always made a point of not to, like, put a strain on that relationship. So I think he's always been very supportive and stuff of everything I'm feeling. Okay. And that's, how, as a, as a uh, budding woman, how does that help you to, uh, see your future with relationships? Well, um... I've not I've had some not so good relationships and I don't know where that came from because they are so different from my dad and I feel like a lot of the times if girls have a strong dad father figure or whatever they kind of date or whatever with boys who are like that cuz it sets a good role model so I don't know what's wrong with that. So, so you just wanted to test it out and see how good your dad was by testing yeah. all the wrong ones? Yeah, I <laughs> okay. guess so. <laughs> I think any, anybody in this room could say that for their, their dating relationships in the past mm -hmm. as well. Okay, very nice. Uh, who else would like to introduce themselves? I'm Sasha, and um, I'm 43. Um, my background, um, I work as a program coordinator for adults with disabilities. Um, Let's see, I grew up in a very small town, <laughs> um, about the size of Papillion, and uh, my now I did not know my actual father, but I had um, I was raised in church, so I had a lot of male, and you know role models and uncles, and I think that, being that most of them were a lot older when I was a kid, the way that I got to see um, how men are or were was like they were the dominant they were the head of the household um they paid for the first date <laughs> <laughs> you know um but uh for me and my relationships or in dating i think i took a different perspective because i am gay and so i think i drew from how i watched them interact with the women in my family and so the respect level, things of that nature. And they just taught me not only how to change my oil and, <laughs> and the, the other things like that, but they also just kind of showed me through life how they, like how you're supposed to be, you know. 
Very nice. So now in your in your relationship, uh, would you say you're more of the dominant or the more passive one? I'm usually the more dominant. I can be both though. So it seems. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm usually. I'm like, I don't want to cook. I'll just take out the trash type person. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'll go get all the groceries out the car. I'll do like all those things that some people are um, like, I'll hold the door or, you know. Which is little. which is so ironic that in today's society, men and boys just, uh, so many of them don't do that they don't. anymore. <laughs> no. So we've lost kind of those traditional roles and kind of, uh, dare I say, kind of expectations. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Brown, I have to give you a little grief. You're kind of stereotyping there. Welcome okay. to Welcome. the Self Care Dog Podcast. <laughs> no, I just, I, <laughs> this is what? an environment of learning for us all. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't giving you a well, little bit of grief. I, I, I'm not woke. Okay. So, <laughs> Janice, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you've, you, uh, we've had you on the show before. Tell us a little bit about yourself, just for those that haven't uh, had the pleasure of listening to you. Got it. Okay, my name's Janice, and I just turned 61, so I am the uh, old one in the room here. Uh, I was raised in a small town in Iowa, and it was great experience. I had a wonderful father, uh, just an incredible man, great role model. I, I just really can't say enough really neat things about him, very kind, kind man. Uh, as far as my background, um, I moved to Omaha and went to school here. I practice counseling and psychiatry here in Omaha. I have a son who is 30, and then I have two daughters, uh, 27, 23. And uh, let's see, trying to think of other things that are exciting. Unfortunately, I'm going through a divorce. That's an unfortunate thing. So my experience with men is very diverse. I am a Christian. That's a very strong piece of who I am. I do not shove that belief down other people's throat. That is not something I do. Um, so that's really my background is really pretty diverse as far as the experiences that I've had, the experiences with men that I've had. Uh, so that's really it. Oh, thanks so much for coming back and joining us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really a great pleasure. And finally. I'm Leslie. I'm 34 and I live here in Omaha. Um, I'm also um, originally from a small town, uh, but in Missouri. And um, a little bit about just my background. I've worked in the behavioral mental health field um, for some years now, um, along with serving individuals with um, mostly adults with disabilities, along with um, working with um, children and families um, within our community as well, too. And um, just kind of going back a little bit, um, mentioning the small town I grew up, uh, more so sheltered, I would say, um, and, um, you know, went to church every Sunday. I was very active in the community, um, had some strict rules, I would say. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Um, but I will say with the experience with um, the men in my life, I mean, my dad kind of, you know, piggybacking on what you said, Janice, my dad, um, amazing guy, um, was kind of your stereotypical dad, you know, always out uh, playing catch with us, um, always making sure our cars were working, you know, making sure our gas tank was full and our cars as well, too. Um, you know, he was president of the school board. He was coach. He was just all the things. And but very, very loving, um, 
most importantly. And so, um, yeah, a uh, great experience uh, with my dad and just different male role models too in my life, whether it's, um, you know, grandfathers, um, teachers, coaches that I had as well too. Um, when it comes to relationships though, that can be a different story and maybe we'll get into that later. But um, I'm also a mom. Um, I have a five-year-old son who I just love and adore so much. And uh, I went through the divorce process as well too. Um, and so navigating uh, earlier on with the single mom life, um, but then meeting someone who uh, I love and adore as well too, and he has kiddos. And um, so just, we really enjoy, <laughs> we all really enjoy each other and have a great time. Um, so yeah, I guess that's me in a nutshell. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much, ladies, for all of you for joining us. So one of the questions that I started with the men last week was, what is a man? And several of you, as you've been kind of uh, kind of telling your story, a little bit of your background, there's a lot of uh, a lot of patterns that I'm picking up on. But I'm going to turn it to you and say, what are the things that you hear kind of collectively? Co- wow, that you hear collectively between uh, the four of you uh, about men in your life and the influence that you've all received? Sounds like everybody's had some stable men in their life, which sometimes that's kind of hard to find in a group of people. (laughs) (laughs) Like you had loving men, men who were supportive, men who basically kind of mean everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I pick up, I hear that as well. And then what I also hear is uh, in romantic dating relationships, men suck. (laughs) And I say that kind of loosely. That's how you hear it as well? No, that's accurate. Oh, that's accurate. Oh. Well, so, so here's here's the irony, because when we had the men in last time, um, it was very unstable male role models in their lives and them trying to figure out how to navigate how to be men, which then letting women down throughout their lives. Right. Oh. And so there was a lot of this almost uh, male shame that they were feeling and this guilt that they were, sh- they were feeling of not living up to expectations that they never learned. Mm-hmm. So uh, what would you add to what is a man? And how has it changed throughout generations or throughout uh, throughout history that you've seen? I feel like um, a man, when I just think right off the bat, is you know someone who really provides for others, um, a leader, um, someone who really steps up. Um, if it's say you know a father, he's the one who is um, you know working really hard and providing for his family. Um, and, you know, whether that's, um, you know, working crazy hours, long hours, making sure that his family is taken care of. Um, and I know kind of that's changed as well, too, over time as you're hearing more and more about men staying home um, with the kids as well, too. So I find that interesting on, you know, growing up, I feel like all fathers were were out um out working a lot of moms were staying home and so um yeah i think that's just a little bit yes and you know one of the things and when we look at the 60s some really good things happened you know you, just, you, just so we're clear none of us can look at the 60s so <laughs> Okay, I was born in 1962, so, you know, do I remember all these things? But history has been documented. Uh, but when we look at, you know, the burn your bras and, and women equality, and so many wonderful things came out with that. I mean, just outstanding. And in many areas, women still are, you know, 
reaching for that equality with pay and many different things. One of the things I believe that has been a bit of a disservice is respecting and honoring difference, that men and women are different. It's not about good, bad, right, wrong. It is about the differences and honoring those things. And uh, I, as I said, I, I just see a lot of things getting tripped up um, in relationships and the like uh, over time with trying to almost scratch our way, you know, um, into different positions and not stopping and having gratitude for what it is for me, you know, and what I have as honoring myself as a woman and the differences that I have and honoring the differences, you know, in the men. And with my generation, how I view men and women differently than each of you in this room, because things and views do change throughout each generation with all kinds of things. And certainly now, um, the younger generations, I have many of my patients who will talk about viewing gender in a much more fluid fashion. And that's something that I have learned from my patients and they're teaching me, you know, along the way. Uh, So just having that open mind, but also honoring what I call the D word. And I believe our world would be a happier place if we could honor the D word. You're going to go ahead and need to uh, describe what is the D word? Difference. Okay, just Difference. making sure. What were you thinking of, Dr. Brown? I'm with it. I'm with it. Yes, yes. That's yes. changed throughout society as well, I think. <laughs> yes. I, I agree a lot of what you're saying. I think that um, not only have we as a people have evolved, so in saying that males have evolved into different types. We have some that get to stay home, these stay-at-home moms, and that works for that different set relationship because maybe the woman through whoever, however she was molded in her life, she is the more dominant but and less nurturing person, but he had maybe a stable family and now he's in touch with his emotions and so he's the better fit to stay at home to nurture the kids. Like I think that the roles have changed in so many different ways that you kind of just, you see it evolve into there's so many other categories people could be put in. For sure, for sure. You know, I, I, I'm reminded, so uh, uh, I was raised by a single mom in Southern Iowa, and my entire life there was, uh, let's see, my great-grandmother was married uh, twice, and she outlived them both. Uh, her daughter was married, I think, five times. Oh. Uh, my mother was married, I think, four times, and then I've got a sibling, uh, my twin sister, who's been married, I think, five or six times. And so I look at that, and throughout my life, I struggled with what does it mean to be a man for me because I didn't have a lot of extended family. And so what I learned was men were very expendable is how I kind of took that message throughout my life, that uh, you you use them for what you need, and it's not meant to sound misogynistic in any way, but that was just the lesson that I was I was receiving at the time was – uh, these are these are creatures that you use to help sustain life, and then you you take what you need, and then when you're done, you kind of pass on to whatever you need. Or if they don't if they don't fall into the mold of what you want, then you go find a different one. And again, that was very much the culture in the area I grew up in as well. Uh, divorce rates are, are, are astronomical. Over time, especially in this profession, one of the things I realized is uh, so many men don't know how to be men. Kind of like we said before. 
Um, and through my faith, that's where I really kind of found that idea of uh, manhood, but also fatherhood and the different roles and the different influences. But more so in any other role I've had has been as a father, but also as a, uh, working as an at-risk youth mentor, which I started doing in 97 when I joined the military. And it's challenging because we see these kind of influences and for so many men, when we feel that inadequacy of how to be a man, uh, we also are countering the experience or the examples that were placed before us um, of so many men that just focused on work, that just focused on careers, uh, maybe their own, you know, a lot of Vietnam veterans, a lot of World War II and Korean veterans. Um, we had so much of that kind of societal his, uh, history um, that changed what manhood really looked like anymore. Uh, and it became this kind of angry, gruff, maybe even alcoholic, abusive kind of uh, torment that so many people, men and women or boys and girls, have both experienced. And so for so many boys, they gravitated towards things like uh, Cub Scouts uh, or Boy Scouts, things like that, or maybe even their faith. And then we started hearing some of the different toxicity that happened, you know, uh, in the last 20, so 20, 30 years that has come out more and more of different abuses and things. And so, so many boys and men are so lost on where do we look for that guidance. And for so many of them, I think they, uh, they kind of took a step back. And uh, rightfully so, women uh, have, have excelled. They've, uh, they've, they've found their own voices in such a beautiful way. And I think it's a really interesting dynamic we have in our society right now, for sure. So, Right, and I, I agree with what you're saying. The other piece that I want to bring into this conversation is we forget about base qualities of being a good human being a good person, being honest, humble, helping other people out. So when we think about being a good man, being a good woman, I think a lot of it, it's the same thing, a lot of the same qualities. However, when we go out in the world, we react from our wounds. And that well is what really trips us up. Yeah. You know. I have not met anyone in my practice, met anyone in my life to date that says, you know what, I want to grow up and have kids and screw them up. That's my goal, <laughs> by golly. You know, we all do the best that we can, but because we are imperfect, we're going to make mistakes. And it's how we perceive those and what we do with those. However, I come back to looking at what we can each do to be good, decent people and human beings. You know, it's interesting as you say that, one of the things that comes to my mind is, are we really? Do we really do our best to uh, to be the best humans that we can? And I think, uh, were I to ask the men, and I didn't, it's a great question, I think they would say no. I think they would say there's so many struggles. And so let's ask that question. What do you see as the biggest struggles of manhood and manliness in today's world? I still think some of it is expectations. I think that... Um, I know a woman right now, she's um, a friend of mine, and the way that I've Depending seen... Depending on what you say here, will she still be a friend after well, this? Well, you know, it kind of <laughs> just depends. <laughs> um, but I've seen her go through relationship after relationship after relationship, and she always refers back to, um, I'm just like my dad, you know? But the, the things that I've seen her do, these men have to live up to this you got to be six figures, <laughs> and you got to um, be all-American dad, and I want you to be like, there's all these financial stresses that they put 
on them. And now, I, I was just thinking about this not too long ago, with inflation, think about how many men's self-esteem went down. You know, they, they were taken out of their comfort zone. They're taken out of their um, funding zone, <laughs> how much they made. And so if women didn't change how they felt and were being supportive, if they were still like, I still need you to perform, I still need you to be this person, and they're not living up to that expectation, I think you did see a lot of people start to like either shy away, leave, divorce, um, start to drink a lot more, any type of different substances, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that you have that you have those you have that side and then you have like if you have faith, say you say you're a God fearing person. And um I think in today's society they I've talked to some friends that are that are God fearing people that they said there's just so much more temptation out there than what they what they're used to and access to it. And, no, it, they have access to every, like my son is 11 and he's had access to I like the internet, right? But I hate it all <laughs> in the same breath. And it used to scare me him like YouTube. Like I was like you guys are on YouTube all the time and I, at first I wasn't really monitoring and I didn't know that I even needed to. And then you start hearing about all these predators, all these different things. And you're like, I'm going to try to raise my son to be, a re- I don't want him to um, grow up too fast. You know, I want. <laughs> that, How's that working? And, and the, well, you know, it's, it's hard. <laughs> um, but you're, you're trying to set this, this tone and you're like um, trying to, you want them to grow up to be respectful and to be good men, and you're fighting a really hard battle with everything else out there that's contradicting everything that you're trying to, you know, help them to grow up to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the pressure to be a man in today's society is tough because, you know, like what you were saying, Shasha, about like the expectation. I mean, you know, say if a man here he is trying to lead his family and provide for his family and all of that, and then say, yeah, loses a job or can't find a job whatever like how like hard that must be to then feel almost like a failure in a sense and you know then have to stay at home and not feeling like you're able to to provide that for your family I feel like that would be so so tough um but I think there's been some men just in meetings and things like that that I've talked to recently about how um, you know, they are staying at home and they're loving it and, um, they get to be that stay at home dad. Um, and it's, it's really cool to, um, to hear that, that there are a lot of men out there that are enjoying doing that as well. Yeah. You know, I I spoke a little bit last time with the men, um, about how in my uh, prior relationship, um, uh, my ex and I have five children together and, for when the first one was born, or right, right before she was born, uh, for the first time in my life, I lost my job. And it was a horrible time in the economy. I could not for the life of me get another job. Um, and so we made the decision. And even at that point, I mean, she made, she made great money. Uh, we decided that uh, I would stay home uh, until I could find a job or whatever was going to happen. And by, so the baby was due, I think, in a month. We had a uh, like a thirty thousand dollar renovation that was getting done on the house. Like it was every bit of calamity you could imagine, and so for that first month or that first month after the baby was born, or I guess after she went back to work, um, I was in this world of 
uh, of a kind of discomfort, disbelief, like it was against everything that was kind of told to me that I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be producing. I was supposed to be making money. I was supposed to be out of the house. Um, and here I was feeling so domesticated. And I say to this day, it is one of the pinnacle moments of my life, that first year of her life, where it made me in so much more into the psychologist that I am today because it gave me an appreciation for a whole different way of living and a whole, uh, it made me more full as a human. And to this day, my oldest, uh, we are so bonded and so close. Um, and, you know, I apologize to her regularly because she is so very much like me. Um, and I, I kind of blame that period of life, a period of her life. Um, but at that same time, it was so humbling for me to take that step and actually be involved in that way um, because I just, I learned so much more and such a huge appreciation for what my mother had done uh, throughout my life, throughout what my sister has gone through as a single mom um, and so many of the different women that I've had in my life. And so it really made me have such a great respect for um, the importance of those roles in, in, in little humans' lives. So how, how were you able to cope with, wrap your mind around going from having a job, being a provider, and then shifting into the opposite role. Because what I see is many men fall into the category of, and I'm generalizing here, but fall into this category of, I am what I do, and if I don't, then what am I? Yeah, I, I hated myself. I was so bitter. I was so angry. I felt like such a failure. Um, and through that time, I decided uh, that was actually uh, during that year is when I decided um, that I would finish my bachelor's degree, I think, um, and then started applying to graduate schools. And had I not had that time to really focus on and kind of hone who I was, uh, there's no way I would have gone through the process. And I sure wouldn't be sitting here, uh, you know, doing any of this stuff, any of the work that I absolutely feel called to do. Um, the other thing that really helped, I think, was it really helped to kind of uh, refine and kind of redefine my faith as well. Because there was many a times I said, God, what the hell are you doing with me right now? Um, and it turned out he kind of knew what he was doing. Huh, go figure. Um, so it really helped me to, you talk about humility, uh, being humble. Uh, that was a major, major time in my life where I really needed that. So. Well, and how awesome you get that extra time, like a whole year with your firstborn. Like, right. And like you said, like your bond now to this day is so close. Like that's, that's a blessing. Well, it, it, it's interesting because at times I would also struggle because I felt like I was taking that away from my wife. And so I felt guilty about that on top of it all. And so I looked for every opportunity I could to blame myself and shame myself. And so uh, even to this day, uh, uh, her and her mother don't have a very strong relationship. Um, and that's something that they continually work on. But that doesn't take away from the joy and the, the blessing that that is in my life for sure. Gaia, what, 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 you're kind of quiet over there. What thoughts do you have? I'm not going to lie. I forgot your question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to their like responses, and they were all really good responses, but I don't remember the original question. For sure, for sure. Well, I, I, think, I, I think it presents an opportunity for us. Uh, a little bit of what's been talked about here is uh, just how the male roles have changed throughout society. Um, but let's kind of bring it more kind of recent. How have you seen men change since COVID and through COVID? We're going to throw it right at you, Gaia. <laughs> um, I don't know. COVID was kind of crazy. So, here, like, here. COVID hit right as 
my dad got divorced. So it was like we just moved into a new house and then suddenly I'm not at school and I'm just home for like months while he's working. It was fine because I'm fine with being by myself, but like it was weird, you know, because I wasn't used to it. Sure. But like, I guess that has nothing to do with male stuff, but. Well, no, no, I think, I think you're onto a really interesting point that um, what was that like? Um, what were those feelings, those kind of experiences you had now going to kind of two separate homes and uh, not really having that direct influence and watching your father kind of go through that struggle as well? Um, I think it's a very unique perspective that you offer here. Well, his wife wasn't the greatest person in the world, so I was happy that they got divorced, and I was happy to not have to have my stepsister anymore, so I was just, I was happy about the situation, but I also knew that he was struggling with it all, so I was trying not to seem giddy about it all. <laughs> did you Did you feel any pressure to have to try to fill that support, uh, that supportive role for him in those times? Um, you're kind of calling me out because he's right there, but like maybe <laughs> just a little bit, like because I knew he was struggling, so I wanted to be there for him. Yeah. And I feel like I sound like I'm crying because like, my eyes are watering so much, but <laughs> you're, you're safe here. It's okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I actually, I love that your dad actually is in the room because uh, knowing him for years now, I think almost a decade, we decided uh, as they're sending love signs to each other right now. That's cute. Um, uh, he's also choosing to be in the room to hear this. And so yeah. uh, the support that I know that he has and the love that he has for you, um, being able to provide in such a way for you. Um, I'm going to come back to this point, though. Is that okay? Okay. So, ladies, what else do you see as uh, the changes throughout uh, society? And, and I actually just got a message here from Christopher doing some research behind the scenes here uh, just to offer this up. He said uh, the message he just sent was, uh, the rate of women filing for divorce is exponentially higher after the husband has lost a job, family member, or closed a business. Grief and loss of self-identity. So I think great, very astute point right there. So, I think that, sorry. sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, oh, but good. I think that also might come from, like, obviously in some situations it definitely is, like, the woman just being like, well, you don't have a job, so I don't want to be with you. But I think it could also be from, as you said, you felt very guilty and self-pitying when you lost your job. So I think it might be a toxic feeling for both parties if the man who just lost his job is like self-pitying and like hating himself it just might feel toxic so sh the female in this situation might want to get out of it yeah what a great point right mm -hmm. there we, we know that the most attractive trait in another person is confidence and so <laughs> she's doing like arm flexes in the room right now <laughs> um, stop calling me out no i love it this is fantastic <laughs> we're, we're actually not doing video on this one so we, we have to call you out it's like a radio show from the 20s um, but i think it's a really great point because as men have lost that confidence, which was maybe a very attractive uh, trait to their partner, now they're seeing them in a different way. And it's like, who the hell are you? You're not the person I married. Uh, where's that person that I have faith that's going to be able to lead me and lead our family? Mm -hmm. Which is very stereotypical, of course, in our society. So very nice. Thank you. And with COVID, we really were shoved into a space of leaning on our communication skills because... <laughs> Well said. <laughs> well, because we weren't together. And so it was verbal, verbal, verbal communication. And I will tell you the way we're wired, you know, we go way, way, way back when, and we're wired to really look for the negative for survival. So if we're communicating and we can't see each other, and I hear you kind of 
grown a little bit, you know, Dr. Brown, you may have gas and you groan. Well, I may think that you're groaning because I said something and I'm off and running. All right, he doesn't like me and I must have said something and now he's not going to talk to me anymore and blah, 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 blah. And I go down this horrible rabbit hole. So many relationships went into distress very quickly during um, COVID. And in general, women tend to be more communicative, more verbal, not always, but in general. And so, boy, relationships really, really um, were challenged, and the divorce rate went way up during COVID. Yeah. So it was a challenging that time. That makes so much sense. Like, like, that just happened with me and my boyfriend the other day. Like, he was just, like, busy with things, and I thought he didn't want to talk to me. And I was spiraling. And then during the COVID, like, we couldn't go anywhere, and I was dating someone at the time. We went the whole, like, from March until we went back to school in August, and we didn't talk. And he started talking to someone else, but that's a whole other topic. But <laughs> And that's why he's an ex now. <laughs> yeah. yes. That is, yes, accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that did happen with COVID and still continues to happen, I think, in many relationship is hitting that disillusionment phase that you're discussing with the the gentleman that you were with is you know you thought you had this and then you know after covid you go back to school and then he was talking to someone else and what you thought you had and what you really had were two very different things and that is a really tough thing to try to put together and when dr brown was talking about all of us growing up and we had different male influences and so then we have an idea of what we would like the significant male in our life to be and then they're not it is great disillusionment great disillusionment For sure. and then what we want this is where i am struggling with right now it's what i want the the father for my children to be um, he is not. And my kids are absolutely adults, absolutely adults. Um, however, you know, when we look at infidelity, I think that, and there's good research out there, that infidelity can be harder on adult children because they know what it is. And so I look at the struggle that my kids are having now because they had a vision of what their father was and now they're looking at this and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, mm -hmm. I thought he was this. I thought we had this. Mm -hmm. And now what do I do with all of this? So it's just such a struggle with the things that, you know, we have in life and, and what we see. And how do we put all of these pieces together? Yeah, yeah with COVID, I can remember um, and appreciate a lot what you're saying to uh, Janice with um, – with COVID, I mean, prior to COVID, um, you know, it seemed like everyone, you know, you had your regular routine, you were getting up, you were going to work or going to the gym, whatever it was, and going about your day, coming home, you know, it was just like this, it was almost like um, you were used to, like I said, your your daily routine. And then once COVID hit and say you're in a relationship, in a marriage, you know, you're living with someone, whatever, and then that all changes and you're under this one roof with someone who you thought you knew and you were, you know, I guess fine with how your life was. And then when you're 
sharing that close space every day um, for hours at a time and maybe not appreciating that as much. And, um, you know, I think that it really kind of threw everyone's lives off, you know, lives off just not for, you know, not being able to go out and do whatever you want, whether it's go to the store when you want it or whatever. But um, it was more of realizing what you needed and what you wanted in your own in your own relationship. And I can say, too, with raising um, raising a very young child at that time during COVID, and um, I don't know, you definitely um, – learned, you know, things about relationships that are your own relationship that um, definitely, definitely changed for sure. And so um, I think communication, we found out a lot too, like you said, with, um, you know, it, things may not have uh, been the way that we wanted, I guess. As not being in um, relationships with males, I didn't see that much of a, of a perspective of like changes and things of that nature. But what I do think that I saw was a lot of the same things everybody else is saying. Um, when you are forced to look at yourself <laughs> and be alone, kind of with yourself, or be with just two people, and you guys are alone with yourself, you tend to find out things about yourself you probably didn't know. And then, therefore, you're finding them out about your partner as well. And you're like, I don't like when you clear your throat like that. That's obnoxious. Stop doing it. <laughs> like you start nagging and nitpicking at um, the smallest, the smallest things. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of that was environmental because of where, where everybody was displaced. And so um, I think coming out of that, uh, we've seen a lot of different things come out of COVID. In males, and I'm, I'm just gonna say, like I think that through COVID, and I could be wrong on the time frame, but um, there's a rapper, and I can't. Uh, Nas X, Lil Nas X, maybe, and um, like for me, I hadn't seen so many. Um, he's a gay rapper, right? And I was like, where did this come from? You know, like it was like. And it was upset. It was um, embraced from like kids her age. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and he's he's a good artist. I'm not really hugely into rap, but he's a great artist. But I started to see a lot of like evolvement, and just like when I say men being different, men being comfortable to be. I'm still, I'm a man still, but this I'm a man that does this, or I'm a man that does that. Like I think a lot emerged. Around, around that time, and it was like, whoa, what we we as a people are we, we are we evolving? Um, you know, like um, I've 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 seen, and this is kind of like in the in the black culture. Um, I was raised where the N word, like from my perspective, it, it, it's like attack mode. <laughs> you know, like you you react to it. Um, you don't let anybody disrespect you in that, in that manner. And um, my cousin, he called me, and he was like, my son is at school, and he's letting um, their white boys are calling him the N-word. And he, it's a back and forth. Like, it's not like, 
in my day <laughs> when, right. when it was re- very reactive, you, you, you knew why you didn't say it. You know you're not supposed to say it. And I think that um, when I look at the black men and that are evolving from just from under my generation, there's a huge change there because there's like an acceptance of things that weren't really accepted before, which I think makes everybody evolve anyways. Like males are really evolving into so many, again, different things. Yes, absolutely. And that's where I don't blame people for being confused, both men, both women. What do you want me to be? Mm -hmm. What do they want to be? And being clear about what do I want in a male for a relationship and, uh, you know, what does the male want to be? Because, you know, you look at what is that song? Oh, you know, where have all the cowboys gone? That one, you know. Um, What the hell is that? (laughs) That's a song, actually. That's a song. And basically the song is about where have all the, quote, men gone, I think is the premise Mm -hmm. of that song. Isn't it where have all the good men gone? Is it? I think I so. Oh, my too. gosh. I have no idea. <laughs> it's Isn't it like, that... where have all the good men gone and where something, something, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, well, there my might, There gosh. might be more than one. Men well, and cowboys. Well, well, <laughs> well you know. It's now it's cowpersons. <laughs> yes. Well, sorry about that. It might be one of those you listen to a song forever and you have the words Oh, I do wrong. that all the time. <laughs> yes. So, okay, well, that you know, when you think of where have all the good men or cowboys or whatever <laughs> gone, thinking about, quote, a man's man, and then mm. you're talking about the gentleman who is a rapper, and he's that's gay. so much backlash for it. And just, you, that's, no, no, no. But you look at the huge differences of what is a man, and mm. what's a man to me, what do I want, what do they want, and the stereotyping. Mm. And so I can see why there's so much confusion for men and then we all have our own wounds so holy buckets all right this is the end of part one of the conversation with the ladies make sure to join us for part two